When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Welcome to episode number 102 of Yeah, that's 102. It's 102. Can you hear I'm in a bathroom? I'm in my bathroom because the washing machine's on upstairs and uh, I've got to get away from that noise. I'm going to go into a bedroom. It's much better. Too echoey in there. So, um, oh, there's a noise. Nice one. Okay, so uh, I went to see Volpines in Academy 2 last Saturday and it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And another band called I Am A Car Crash Supported, they were really good too. And, um, and uh, yeah, a lot of us uh, hung out, Kaz and Maeve Molly and uh, some guys from the band uh, from I Am Car Crash. And uh, I had a couple of points, went with my son as well, I had a couple of points. And then uh, I was given like a very large uh, kind of pint glass, half full with uh, gin and tonic, uh, which I drank f- maybe too quickly. Because it tastes like seven up, really, doesn't it? So I uh, got very drunk because my resistance to alcohol is gone way, way, way down. And uh, I was, it is disgraceful. It took me two days to recover from that night out. It's probably the first time I've been drinking in that kind of a way since New Year's Eve. And bloody hell, I mean, it just wasn't worth it. I just, I just wasn't. It, it took me longer to recover from one night out drinking. Uh, than it did uh, do a whole marathon. I mean, I'd be better off just doing a marathon every weekend than going out drinking because um, I, uh, yeah, I was fecked, uh, banjaxed, and just completely uh, floored. Um, not, you know, just not a headache around. I just feeling like awful. And um, so it's not worth it. Anyway, but it was a good night out though. Good night out. Dropped my phone though. Cracked my phone. Oh, Jeannie Mac. Yeah. Big crack on the front of my phone. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good. It was good, good. And did a gig uh, then. Uh, go last week was in the Goat. Goat, that was good. Did a Father Ted quiz in D two on Hark Street. A Father Ted quiz. I mean, those people dressed up and everything. It's unbelievable. I mean, it still amazes me the fandom for Father Ted. Twenty one or so years since um, the last episode went out. Since and uh, it's. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's on the verge of like Trekkie Dumb, like, and the 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 people know so much about the show. There's 
the questions the quiz quiz are fairly intricate and they know everybody knows a lot of people know just everything about the show and uh, yeah it's quite incredible quite incredible uh when you think about it um so i can only imagine that this uh, musical when it comes out will do very well um that was uh my uh we lovely weather of course and uh i went out and um, went off over to fred cook and uh, we were wrote a song or two together a few days ago so we're going to try that out in the international bar coming up see how that goes um, and that's been my week but listen this is so this is John Moorhead coming up John uh, runs gigs in Hong Kong and China and has done in other places I think Singapore and um, perhaps in Thailand but uh, mostly I think it's China now in Hong Kong so so I was over there uh, recently around the uh, Patrick's Day week did some gigs over there in Hong Kong and Macau and then we had this chat because I mean he's been working with comedians uh, some who have gone on to massive stardom. Uh, he's been working with comedians, bringing them out to uh, that part of the world for the last 20 years at least. And uh, he's got some stories to tell. And what a lovely man he is. So here he is, John Moorhead. <laughs> John, did you grow up in Australia? Uh, I was in Australia from uh, the age of six, but before that, my father's job took us everywhere. I was born in Belgium, then we went to London for a while, New York. He was an engineer, so went all over the place. But yeah, I was in for six to 12. My primary school years were in Oz. Okay, and then some of your education was here in Hong Kong, was it? Yeah, then 1977, when I was 12, uh, he got us all together and said, right, <laughs> we're off to Hong Kong. Mm. So, yeah, that, and then he said, it's only for three years, so we'll be back. And, and uh, they ended up being here for 27. I wasn't here for 27, but they were, my mum and dad were. Okay, yeah. and so why did you then get involved in uh, book, like you run this uh, comedy, different venues all over Asia? How, how did that start? Oh, yeah, so Punchline... St- well, I left Hong Kong, but when I came back um, in the sort of 90s, I came back through here. Um, I was originally... I went to drama school as an actor and the big recession in England in the 90s. So I came back through here just to see my parents on my way to sort of thinking, well, I'll go and live in Australia maybe because I could because of the dual nationality and everything. Um, but I ended up staying here, getting some work with Sky TV, which is Star TV here. And I just started up this little gig on the side for fun. And my now wife, uh, at that time, she had worked a few times with a comedy club in England called Jonglers. And so I got contact with them and I said, could you send a comedian? Uh, and they sent over Tim Clark, um, who, uh, who I've now known for many, many years. He was at my, <laughs> at my wedding as an usher. So that's where it all started. And then I didn't really think it was going to take off, really. And then it was only like a sort of a hobby because I really liked it I always liked stand-up comedy I always liked watching it and going to stand-up wherever I was in the world you know I'd find a comedy club so I just did it for fun and then um, when my job ended here with Star I went back to England um, uh, with my wife 
and uh, not didn't go to Australia. Which she wanted to go back to England, so I went back with her. Of course, followed her. And she uh, and, and the venue rang me up and they said, "When's the next show?" And I went, oh, no, no, I've left Hong Kong. That was just you know, well, we're getting all these calls. Well, can't you just do them from there? And I went, well, I, I could, I suppose. So that's how it started. And I thought I'll just do that for a while, but that's sort of mm. 22, 23 years ago. All right. So you were living in England when it started out. Uh, when, did you do that for a while, just coming over with the axe, I presume? Yeah. So I, when I first started it, early 90s, I was here mm. and they'd fly over. I didn't know who the hell I was getting. Luckily, I was. Um, they were good. And then when I went back to England, I was actually in... You know, comedians would say hey come and see my show or let's go for a drink and I just through socializing got to know the circuit really well and um just to book people that I I saw that were good and then I'd yeah I'd fly out with them and it was sort of a big sort of party then (laughs) (laughs) that that was just to Hong Kong was it uh yeah we started just Hong Kong uh what was that venue at the beginning actually uh, the very the very first venue was a place called the Go Down in the basement of a building that's it's now knocked down, mm. and then we moved to the basement of the Ritz Carlton, and then that got knocked down. So I um, eventually found the venue that you played last night, um, sort of twenty just over twenty years ago, and we were there. We've been in there ever since. So, um, but yeah, that was Hong Kong, and then I would do the odd show in Beijing, and but it was all very knew it at times so I didn't go to many other places it was just mainly Hong Kong those I, I did go to other cities in Asia but that kind of came later mm-hmm. you know yeah and um, so tell me about some of the acts that you've booked over the years um, well there's yourself of course Joe and uh, and all the because uh, I do the Irish um, show every every March obviously but um, oh lo- yeah loads and many uh, Many have gone on to become famous. So, like, sort of in two thousand and seven, we had Michael McIntyre, mm. um, and I think two thousand and nine is when he sort of <laughs> exploded. So he he came over here. In fact, he did uh, here, and he did Tokyo as well. Two separate trips, Michael mm. did. So uh, yeah, we've had Bill Bailey, um, you know, Al Murray. I've had Bill Burr. Mm. Um, I've had actually. Uh, the, yeah, it's a long list of of people that have become famous, but also ones that you know haven't become huge celebrities, but are obviously great headlining mm. comedians. I find that fr- frustrating. People that aren't into comedy think that well, if they're not famous, then or they're not as good, or they're just beginning. Or I said, no, they can go through their life being headlining great comedians. They're just not, you know, in movies. Yeah, right. <laughs> they don't seem to understand, you know. Yeah. You have to be famous to be a good one. That's yeah. a, no, that's not true at all. In fact, sometimes it's the reverse. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, yeah. So uh, you, I, I mean, I've had a little bit of experience uh, booking uh, venues and uh, quite often things go wrong and it can be quite a stressful, uh, particularly with comedians because, well, I mean, a lot of us are a bit disorganized and do stupid things. So have you, like, have you had any real... Absolute stressful moments over the last twenty years. <laughs> yeah, I've had to, I've had lots. Yeah. I've had lots. Not not as uh, many maybe as as one would think, but yeah, I've had yeah. I the, there's been lots, but the, the worst fear I have is when someone dies on the stage, and then the audience then um, blame me. They, oh. they they come at me, you know, and they get angry. I don't know why there's the anger. They get so angry. I don't know because 
my shows aren't every week they're sort of every month or every two months so they mm. they, they look forward to it and then suddenly there's this guy or girl dying and they they just sort of get really angry about it <laughs> and I don't like it I don't like that sensation and I had yeah. someone once um, who was on we, we actually did Shanghai as well and from the first show we did Hong Kong and Shanghai from the first show um, they died and I thought oh this is going to be a long trip so every show I would just dread mm-hmm. and um, like at the sh- at the venue here I just had to op- I just opened the door because of so many people leaving that um, it just because it was swinging every time people went through the door would swing and make a noise I thought I'll just hold it open because the, <laughs> the stream of people leaving and then people saying to me this is not funny this is not good what are you doing you know that kind of thing I just felt so so I mean it was just someone you know not doing well on stage I mean I, the way they treat it like someone's been murdered or something you know sort right, of yeah. Yeah, I hate that I, I so I, I do dread that happening but it doesn't happen a lot and what about people getting offended by material? Does that happen very often? Yeah, that has happened a few times. That doesn't bother me. If they're doing, if they get offended and they're not doing well, then, oh, God, yeah. that's just a double whammy. I think I'd be back in the hotel room and sort of, you know, forget it. But, um, yeah, now and again. But, no, I don't mind that. I think that's a good thing mm. if the odd person gets, you know, if, if someone mentions religion, you'll get someone that's very religious. Well, you know, it's a silly place to come if you're going to be. In fact, there was a guy, um, 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 Canadian comedian. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he did a, some great jokes about what happens when you, you know, when you get attacked by wild animals. What all the survival instincts, like a bear, you know, what they say to do, and that because I'm in a shark, whatever. And at the end, this South African lady came up crying to him and said, was so disappointed that he had he had um, uh, said this material. And we were thought, oh, it's going to be something about religion he said or what was it and her cousin or something got killed by a shark in Cape Town <laughs> it's like what can you talk about yeah. you know what I mean it's like oh well, I talk about an author oh no you can't because a book fell on someone's head and they died I mean it's ridiculous so um, anyway yeah you, you uh, no I don't mind it so much I think it gets people talking okay um, and what about then political material I mean we're, you're doing gigs in Shanghai and Beijing so is there a, is there a problem with that um, do you have to be wary of what people would say on stage not not in Hong Kong yeah. but you do in China yeah. you do and I mean, like for instance if you were in China and you got on stage and you started talking about their politics you Nobody would start shutting down the show there and then, but it would eventually get out, and then it only takes one, I don't know, staff member or somebody talks about it, and then, then you'll be on a watch list, and then they'll, you know, then they'll get you and won't let you in the country, or they will have, well, they will have someone at the next show. Mm-hmm. You, could, you just can't talk about their, um, their politics. And, um, and you know, to be quite honest, you, you don't know enough about it, about you know the real mm. intricacies of Chinese um, politics so it's not really funny and the expats don't they just want to release really so they don't and I wouldn't book someone that was going to talk about that so um, mm. although I did have somebody um, once in Thailand Irish comedian mm. said to me oh uh, I heard that you can't mention the royal family you know they don't like that and there's this um, really ancient law that if you say anything about the king anything negative about the royal family, especially the king, um, they'll put you in prison. Um, there was a Belgian guy who 
was annoyed that the bar that he was in stopped playing the World Cup several years ago, and he went out into the street drunk. And they have in Thailand uh, huge sort of um, posters and banners or whatever of the royal family down mm. the roads, or you know, you just see them around. Anyway, he like defaced one. He was caught. He was sentenced to something like ten years in prison. <laughs> just you know, so and if someone says something and they about negative about especially the king at the time because he's died but um, at the time he's thought of as, as a god living god mm. and they really loved him there um they would get very upset and they would report you and it, and they'd put you in jail just if someone just says he said that about the king mm. so um this guy i said yeah don't say anything about the royal family don't say anything about the king so of course got on stage and he starts talking about the king and <laughs> I was just upstairs thinking, right, better get a taxi to the airport. Um, but he touched on it like, oh, I hear you can't. Um, because, and he sort of went skirted around it and didn't really. But I think the audience was a bit nervous. Mm. Um, anyway, after the show, the manager of the place that I'd known for ages came up to me and said, with two staff, and said, John, did he say anything about the king? A negative, you know, did he talk mm. badly about our king? And I went, no, 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 he was just asking. And I was trying to really play down. And he was actually quite upset mm. and kind of angry. <laughs> mm. So it's not worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. And has, any, has anyone ever got into trouble outside of the comedy, just in their general social <laughs> carry-on <laughs> with the authorities? Or um, here, there has been uh, several yeah, several sort of incidences that we've had. Um, one time I was going through, I had a corporate with um, uh, Jim Tavery, actually. I don't think you mind me mentioning this because it was all innocent and fun, but I was scared. Mm. He wasn't. He was very relaxed. Um, we were going through customs at, uh, we, were enter- we landed in uh, Tokyo, and Jim has this huge double base which in the case is like seven feet tall it's massive then he has a flight case of all props and stuff and of course in Japan they don't speak any English really mm. and so we're going through the immigration and then at that immigration they don't just wave you through like a little place they open every bag mm. so they pointed to the flight case they wanted to see that so he starts opening it so it's got all his props so you got these sort of officials taking out a rubber chicken or an, an, a, a broken keyboard for a computer and a you know, whistle. Like, and then he was saying, what's this? He was sort of trying to devastate. So it was like comical. And then he reaches in and he gets out this um, container which says, um, I can't believe it's not butter. That, that, that spread, you know. Mm. And um, as the immigration guy, uh, so a customs guy picks it up, and just is just appealing at the lid. Jim turns to me. Oh shit! I'm I meant to get rid of that. And I went what? And the guy opens the lid and then pulls out this big uh, sealed plastic bag of white powder. Mm. And my heart was in my mouth, and I got really, really nervous. Mm. And um, it showed. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately. They um, this sort of gate with wheels came behind us, so that everyone in the queue couldn't had to go join another queue. Everyone was staring, thinking, "Oh my God, they've caught drug dealers! This is amazing. Let's look." Yeah. It was before phones uh, with filming and everything, so yeah. we were lucky. Although it might have gone viral, and we might have done really well out of it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Jim's is going, "Oh, it's, it's it's flour, you know. It's just to make bread. You know, they can make a loaf loaf with it." Ha 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 ha! And as he's laughing and relaxed about it, I'm panicking, and then the 
the, is a, they come from everywhere. There's like 10 customs people all around us because they think they've made the drug bust of the year. And then they get this laminated card and there's like all different drugs. So they're pointing they, and they're saying, mm. heroin? And we're going, no, 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 no. And they, and they go, oh, no. So they part of the next one. Oh, <laughs> cocaine. And I go, no, 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 flour, flour. <laughs> of course, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. Mm. And they go, and vitamin, going through all the list of drugs. Okay, no, no, you know, you, you eat, you eat. He's probably thinking, oh, you eat the drug. Yeah. I say, no, no, it's, it's. And he's going, ah, oh, it's bread. You know, they, they, they can make a loaf out of it. He keeps saying, making jokes about it. And it, they were serious. So then they, they got all our stuff and they said, come with us. So then we went round where you go where if you're a drug smuggler. Mm. And I remember this other customs lady was walking towards us. We had about 10 with us walking in, that, in one direction. She was coming towards us and she looked kind of nice. And I said, excuse me, excuse me. Do you speak English? She said, oh, a little bit, a little bit. I said, do you know bread that you eat? And she went, yes, yes. I said, well, what they've found is flour. She went, I don't know what you're talking about. She obviously, obviously doesn't know how to make bread. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> then takes us into this room and we and they lay it all out. There's, and all these testing kit thing with those little things, they drop it in the fluid to see what color it is. And then there was this announcement. He, the only English he could speak was this uh, procedure. And he just said, he just explained it. whatever color these colors it meant it was that drug he went pink cocaine blue heroin and, we, and i was just and we kept saying it's flour it's flour it's flour it's freaking flour <laughs> then i was thinking oh my god what happens if the flour just by some scientific thing turns into one of the colors do you know what i mean we're gonna have to go and get water and make it to show him that it's bread <laughs> and i thought oh, they'll lock us up for a month while they decide and uh, anyway they dropped it in and it went clear. And then they then they all bowed to us, apologised, helped us pack up, mm. took our bags out and helped put us on the bus. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were all bowing to the us <laughs> as we were getting on the bus, you know, in the Japanese way. So had it gone badly, it would have been hell. But because we it wasn't, they were very nice. But I tell you, I, I was really, really scared. I was scared. I was really frightened. Yeah, yeah. And, and have things changed in China now? If, I mean, venues have to get licensed, do they, to... Yes, yes. I used to go there in the early days, and we just used to go, you know, as tourists and put these shows on, and they were considered private events or whatever. But then um, some things changed, and there were um, uh, a few years ago there was a show that was not mine because I get a lot of copycats, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, uh, it's somebody in another city that I used to do in China got raided, mm-hmm. and the fines were uh, crippling. You know, for the venue, gets fined. Uh, that would put you out of business. Um, uh, deportation for for foreigners, you know. So uh, the venue I used then got panicked and said, um, if this happens, then one of our shareholders could be deported. It's very, very serious. We can't do them unless you've got this license. So then I tried to get a license. Then you have to send videos in, you know, and these are going to be watched by, you know, communist officials with the hats and stuff trying to work you imagine yeah. seeing Jim Tavares act what the hell is this guy doing with keyboards and chickens um, and so anyway uh, I, I it failed the first time it failed I, it got rejected and because because what they see is they see um, so basically you have to send in a video I think of at least 20 minutes per act then you have to get that translated and written out in English and then you have to get that translated to uh, into Chinese really? yeah so, um, which these days, you know, Fiverr.com, all this kind of stuff, you get it's translators. So you, it's doable. Mm. But what's hard is when it gets sent to them, they see a microphone and a bloke talking and they just 
think, no, it just looks like they could say it's risky. They could say something. You know, if it's classical music or it's Chicago West End music or whatever, probably don't even bother. Look at the video. Ticket, it's fine. But hold on, what's this? Bloke standing up in the microphone with lots of an audience, you know, big crowd, which they don't like. No, problem. So you then have to kind of know someone that knows them. So you use an agent. You don't go yourself ever. You use an agent who goes... So I had an agent that didn't have a good relationship and whatever just did it you know officially mm. they were used to doing hotel bands that have six months residency which is really easy they basically tick boxes this is different they looked at it and they went no so then I found another guy through a contact who had a really good relationship with the cultural department and he knew them by name and everything so he could sort of explain you know it's it's funny it, it's don't worry and whatever so we got through mm. Mm. But then they cracked down again, and it was really hard. So I'm not doing China at the moment, but I hope to go back to Shanghai because there's some of the nicest shows, and Beijing. Mm. Um, I like going to Beijing um, for the sights and stuff. And, the, and you know, Well, you've mm. been. Yeah, I've been. I loved it. And you organized a tour of the wall, and then we went to a family and had a meal and all that. How, like, is, Was that through contacts as well? You, you, you've a, you know a guide there, is there a... Yeah, no. Uh, well, for years I used to go take people myself and you'd go on the normal tour of the, the wall with you know thousands of other people on coaches and there's a Starbucks there and whatever. And then one day I was at, we were on Tiananmen Square and like so many times people come up and say, do you need a guide? Do you need, do you need a guide? And I don't say, no, thank you. Like if somebody's trying to offer you something to buy. No, thanks. No, thanks. We're all right. Anyway, this guy came up to me. He, I don't know, he just sounded different. He sounded really interesting. He said, oh, I'll, take you, I'll take you to the Forbidden City now. Just try me out. And are you going to the wall? I went, oh, yeah, we're going to. I said, no. He said, I'll go for cheaper. You come with me and a, and a driver and a van, and I'll take you a part of wall that's completely unique, real, not being tarted up or anything, and there'll be no one there. It'll be just you guys. And I went, we've got to do it. And he said, then we can go to a farmer's village and have lunch. And that's what you did. So yeah. I just started doing that every every time. So um, and it's a totally different experience to what most people do. They go with all the coaches, and it's all been renovated. And it's you know we went to a real part that's untouched, and we were on our own. I, I don't think we saw anyone there. Yeah, that was amazing. That was the best meal I had in China as well. And what about remember we went for a meal? Was that in Beijing as well? Where we got like a plastic glove? What's what? What was, tell me about that place. That was the Immigration Customs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you seem to forget these things. No, yes. That was, uh, that was the, uh, I think I pronounced it right, the Xinjiang. Uh, so there's a part of China that's the northwest up by the border. It's sort of, um, they're more, they don't look like Chinese people at all. No. It's part of China. There's like mid, they're like Middle Eastern. And uh, Azerbaijan up there, sort of uh, right on the border up, up there. I, I could be wrong, um, but yeah, Xinjiang. And then they, um, it's very, a lot of lamb. They love lamb. They've got their own culture. Um, and uh, it's, it's amazing. And um, yeah, you, you wouldn't want to go there if you're a vegan or a vegetarian. It's very, um, and, the, and the, the gloves were for, so you could eat with your hands. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's like the Henry VIII time. And you just pull that lamb apart yourself and you eat with the, with the glove so it doesn't yeah yeah so it's not as messy but that's what the glove was for <laughs> oh yeah i knew what it was for but um and they do a dance as well which was really good yes they come out and do dances and sometimes pull you up uh, with that restaurant that we went to yeah um but yeah a lot of a lot of they, they love their lamb and their and they had that black beer i don't know if you had the black beer it's yeah. black um yeah so it was um yeah Xinjiang. that's um it's, it's a nice 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 food it's quite yeah. different yeah 
And um, could you tell me the story about the particular comedian who ended up with a girl in his room? A girl in inverted commas. Oh, yes. I, um, yes, we had a, we had a trip one time and uh, we we used to do a radio interview on the third so they'd land we'd land this is when I lived in England so I'd come over we'd land on the Wednesday and then uh, sometimes we'd go out for a meal and a drink and then on the Thursday morning we'd get up and we'd have a radio interview and then we'd have the shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday well anyway so we landed we, we went out for a few drinks and this particular community went out for a lot more drinks and you know obviously got pretty toasted and uh, had a very late night so Thursday morning comes around and we're all in the lobby except him so I ring I ring the room and I said oh what's are you, are you coming down he said oh <laughs> he said I've got a, I've got a bit of a problem I went oh what's the matter he said well I've got someone in the room I went oh and he said yeah but I um, I don't have any money <laughs> and they won't leave I went oh gosh okay he said I can't believe it he said you shouldn't have left me <laughs> in a laughing way I said okay okay forget the radio forget that radio um, put her on mm. so they got on the phone and I said and I promised I said where the show was and I said I would have some um, cash so come to the to the show mm. so they said okay and then um, anyway we left we went to the radio anyway later on uh, he said that he managed to be let out of the room to get some money and paid her and that would be it mm-hmm. anyway that night um, <laughs> we were standing and as you know the venue has it's on the second foot there's escalators going up mm-hmm. we're standing outside and this um, person with a with a a box a long box with a tie it's a tie box you know the, the, the tie what uh, do you mean sorry tie uh, like a tie box like a t- uh, shirt that you'd tie. put a tie in yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and it was in a box so it was in a long box and, and, and she was holding it sort of with palms up as if you know she was she was up, going up the escalator with this thing. And uh, in my own head, as they came up the escalator, turned around and started walking towards us, um, I was thinking, oh, my God, that's a really ropey bloke dressed as a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she's saying, Mr. J- asking for me, Mr. John? And I went, yes. And then they asked it for the comedian, that was there and um, I then turned and of course there was this ashen faced comedian looking over <laughs> and uh, um, they looked over and then oh my goodness I went yeah there all laughing and then they went over and he quickly I don't know said something and took the tie and and, and she left and then nothing nothing was um, nothing was said um, at all um, the, the whole trip that it was not a woman um, but later on um, getting back to England yeah. I, I got a um, can you can you, you can't you can curse oh you can't swear on this yeah, yeah. okay um, a friend of this comedian rang me literally the next day and I'm thinking in my head the whole time like surely the others when they saw they must have nobody sort of said anything I was thinking it's you know it was it was a man yeah and um Anyway, the phone call comes the next day. <laughs> this bloke says to me, Hey, did you hear so-and-so? Shagged a bloke! <laughs> <laughs> and then the story is later, 
it was admitted, and I think he's 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 enjoyed the story and 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 admitted it's not a secret. Even though I'm not going to say who it is, but anyway, mm-hmm. it's not a secret. But the I, I, the, the hotel at the time had glass windows with the shower so you could be in bed and you could look through and you could see into your bathroom you can put a curtain down but obviously if you're on your own you don't and he woke up the next morning really hung over and heard this singing la, 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 and looks in there <laughs> someone's soaping up more than uh, he was you know bargaining for parts of the body and I oh my god what have I done but anyway that's the story um, that, that happened but, but when it was here there was no mention so mm. I didn't say anything. I just mm. kept it to myself. And then now it's an open, you know. I know the comedian in question, and he's told me the story. So oh, it's, okay. it's open now. But still, it's worth recounting. Yeah. Um, so where have you, you've done um, Sing- Singapore. Yeah. Uh, did you go to Thailand? You went to Thailand as well. Where else have you been yeah. doing gigs? I used to do the, think oh, I'll just go everywhere, and, but I don't anymore. It's 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 impossible, and I've got older now and got kids. So you just can't do shows. There's not enough weekends, and you can't do shows in every single city. So, but I have done yeah Vietnam. I've done Thailand, Tokyo. I've done different cities in Thailand like Phuket and uh, Pattaya, all that kind of thing. I've done the Middle East. Um, um, some people want me to go do something in the Middle East, but um, that's. And I do China, but I, and I've done Taiwan. I've done lots of places, various shows in Australia and whatever. But I don't. Um, my, Hong Kong's my main one, and I, I'd like to tack on and keep China going, mainland China. And I think that might be. Oh, we've just started. What? Well, you did the first one. We just started doing one in Macau, which was very good. So that's only fifty minutes away on a ferry. So, mm. yeah. But I'll 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 keep it to that now. I don't need to try and dominate. But I was the first. I was the first that did it mm-hmm. in the early 90s. So um, I've got that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the best. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just to, your experience with comedians over the years, is there a particular type of person or, or that becomes a comedian? Do you think there's a an odd type of personality? Or, or are they all different? I don't know. Just tell us, what are we like? <laughs> I think yeah, it's I don't know you you know better than me, but it's um, they're all they're all you get asked that question. Oh, you know they all like really depressed in real life, and I think they're all I think you you are all you are all different. I mean I like I like the it's it's nice that being on a trip where the comedians are also funny in the green room. Mm-hmm. So if they are miserable, that means they're miserable when you you know looking looking at the Great Wall or something, and they're just sort of moping around. Or they're in the hotel and they're not bothering. I've had that. Yeah. Yeah, you go somewhere like, you know, no, I'm just going to stay in the room. I've got some writing to do. But it's the wall. I mean, you can, you know, you probably never see it in your life. Um, So you get the odd miserable one, but I I, I don't really think so. I think maybe that's come about because people after a show maybe go up to you, don't they? And they they expect you to... Be funny now. Mm. Okay? Well, it's like you're probably tired. You've done your you've done your set. You want just want to relax and drink. And they go, oh, you're a bit miserable. Uh, you yeah. know, it's not like you go up to I don't know, like a, an accountant. Go, Do your numbers, <laughs> add up. <laughs> so I think for the most part, certainly ones I have over the years, we've just had a great. I mean, part of the trip, yeah, the shows are the most important thing, but um, the um, the relationship off and the fun that you have, mm. uh, you know, like that we have you know during the day and doing other things and we went to karaoke or great wall and that's that makes the trip for people mm. not just the gigs because the gigs themselves can they always make sure that they're the best gigs and everything's right 
But, you know, they're gigs. They could be anywhere and in a way, but it's where you are in the day and the whole experience for the comedian. That's how I always wanted to make it for people to want to come. Because that's where um, Ardle actually Ardell O'Hanlon got in touch with me and he said because um, I think he was on the circuit and then he got into Father Ted and then he would have been on my list to come but he was famous from the show well he got in contact and said oh, I missed out w- would you ever consider me I was thinking well you'd have to audition no <laughs> I said of course I said, you know of course I just you know you, you became very well known for the Father Ted and, and doing other things I just didn't um think that you were you'd want to but anyway yeah so he he's he's come over the Mm. years as well so um yeah it's um i've 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 moved on to different parts of your question but anyway they they uh yeah they're all they're all they're all different there are a few miserable ones but um you know i think every even other comics think that they're miserable but most of the time everyone's Mm. really happy to to be here you know yeah and that's the thing actually i was um some comedians have missed out on it by becoming too famous. Sean, Lo- oh, I was talking to Sean Locke and I asked him, have you ever done the China tour? And he went, no, no, I've never done that. I'd love to do it. So you should get out to Sean Locke. All right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so any other stories? Um, yeah, well, t- talking about the famous uh, people, yeah, you, you do, like, um, I had uh, Bill Burr, who was already famous, this was only like a couple of years ago, he must have decided off his own back because his agents and managers, there was no money in it. He said he wanted to see the world with his wife. Mm. And uh, I got contacted by... Um, it, it, it's weird in America. They have... Because Jim Tavray, who we were talking about the Tokyo... I can't believe it's not butter story. He moved to California. Um, and he does lots of movies and stuff. Because um, he was in um, Harry Potter 3. And you know he's got like a really unique look. So he gets loads of parts because he looks kind of cool like and um his wife was an agent anyway they were trying to explain to me america works hot you get an agent you get a booking agent you get a manager and they all do different things it's very confusing mm-hmm. um anyway um so i got this word from this booking agent and he's in new york for bill burr and obviously other acts like that and he was just so aggressive <laughs> and um i just got contact i believe he wants to come to hong kong you know you know makes an offer and i was like Okay, okay, but to make an offer, I got to well, is he on his own? You know, because you think of the flights, the mm. cost, and everything, which you have to pay up front, and then you have the risk. You see, so, so does he want business class? Is he flying from America? You mentioned he's going to be in it. So, am I flying him from you know Malaysia or somewhere? Or to, where is he going to be? Who's he going to be with? Um, and where's he coming from? Yeah, I just want some details. And how many days do you want to stay here? Does he want an opener, or is he going to do an hour like that? And the reply came back, capital letters, right? Make me an offer, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Yeah. So I wrote back, well, you can take Bill Burn, you shall. And I went, no, delete, 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 delete. <laughs> Dear sir, thank you so much for your email. I just came really nice back. Mm. I said, I cannot make an offer accurately unless I know exact cost and I, obviously he didn't know and he was getting pressurised so mm. he was just so aggressive and there was a couple of times I really just thought it's not worth it even with you know and mm. poor old Bill's probably thinking I want a car I want a car you know mm. and he was just making it so difficult anyway then I didn't hear anything and then literally because you need to apply for work visas and stuff so you need like six weeks buffer four weeks before he then says he wants to come confirm let's go for it and I said 
And then I suddenly, I guess I had the upper hand. I said, we can't. You know, there's just no way with the visas, can't do it. And he said, no, 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 we'll rush it through. We'll do everything to make it happen. Um, I'll put you through to my pass it to his colleagues. And they and they were happened to be a couple of ladies that worked at the office. And they were, it all changed. They were fine. John, what do you need? Da, 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 bang, bang, bang. Got the visa. He came here and he did one sellout night. And he was fantastic on stage. He was brilliant. And a really nice guy. Mm. And he didn't know all that, and I didn't mention it. I kind of wanted. I, I mentioned it once, like, "Oh yeah, the guy that books you," and then he's like, talking about him in a nice way. And I went, "Well, I'm not going to say anything. Okay, you know, yeah. it just must be their way, you know. You yeah. know, aggressive kind of God, yeah, that kind of thing." And you can't really judge uh, emotion on email, so it's difficult. So it, may, it was aggressive, but he might have just been, "Oh come on, I'm panicking." Whereas I was going, Mate, I was taking it the other way. <laughs> like he was getting really aggressive. He was yeah. probably just really, really frustrated and like panicky or something. I don't know. I forgive people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have to. I understand that 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 you start the email going fuck you, and then you go no, I can't, I can't do. It. I did it because I would wake up annoyed. Mm. It was annoying me. Mm. I thought it's not worth it. Yeah. So but then I thought, ah, oh, but you know, it'll be good in the end. I knew it would be good in the end if he did come. Yeah. So I I just kept pressing ahead, but being really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, do you have any uh, like has has stand up? started at all in local in with the local uh, people in China or in Hong Kong do you know anything about that at all or? yeah it has a little bit but um, it's more with expats um, it's not really um, I think in China a little bit but they you know it's kind of difficult there um, because of the the strict censorship and everything but they have a, a little bit and China mainland China has this has always had this traditional thing called uh, what's uh, it's kind of like what's it called double talk or back to uh, someone will uh, be annoyed and write in to you <laughs> I've forgotten what it is anyway it's basically mm. two people it's usually two men actually I've never seen two women but you, you flick through the TV there and you'll see these two guys and they're doing like talking to it's like a double act mm. and it's stand it, that's their stand up they do that but the, the, the our type of stand up which you know the alternative circuit whatever the thing that came from America and or the mainstream in England they, they, they don't have and it's kind of coming up a little bit but it's again expats over there that are doing it, and I've always—I oh, don't really mention anything about it. But I used to always—I used to get criticised a bit because I there's a difference because when you have open spots in Ireland or England or whatever, these are comedians. They might not be very good, or they might be just starting out. But they're like, when you started out, I want to do this for a living, mm-hmm. and uh, so you give up a lot because you you could be studying and being a lawyer, and but you're not. You're doing this art form. It might fail. You might not ever make it. You know, there's a risk. There's mm-hmm. a risk. Whereas these guys are all professionals they're either teachers or they're bankers or they're they're not you know struggling i'm going to be a comedian for the rest of my life Mm. um there's one that's gone to england and he does so hats off to him but um uh, they don't it's a hobby it's a hobby um and what annoys me a bit is that when they build their shows they should they should celebrate that it's them trying it out not you know so and so from canada they think well, why is that show cheaper than you? Well, I may as well go to that show. No, because they're open, you know, they're beginners. Yeah. I'm bringing pros like, you know, Joe Rooney, for goodness sake. <laughs> uh, so that's the, we have a bit of a problem with that. So it's not the same as open spots in Ireland. I think it's. Yeah. I think that might be a problem in the UK and Ireland as well, is that loads of people want to do stand up now and they're doing free shows, which really affects the whole scene. I don't know if that's happening here. 
yes. Well, I used to do a show over. I used to do a show over. There's an island here where a lot of expats live called Discovery Bay, and I did a show there in a lovely little venue. And then a guy who's now since stopped doing the shows here, thankfully, um, he opened one up right near and thought, well, I'll, I'll charge nothing, you know, but with the local guy. So he didn't have to, I don't think he even pays them. So I'm flying people and, and, then, and the venue saying, oh, but there's another show that's not charging and you're charging tickets. Well, of course I am. And um, I started wanting to do something in Australia and Australia's got a big problem with this free shows. And I think it's so insulting. I think it's insulting to comedians. Why, if I go, if I go see a play, you know, I pay for the ticket. I go and see it, whether it's Shakespeare, whatever. I go see a movie, I pay, you know. Mm. If I go into a bar and there happens to be a, a band in the corner, okay, that's, you know, they could be a good band and it must be soul-destroying for them to people talking over them. But that's, that's, that's an industry. Mm. Stand-up, you should commit, pay, and watch. Mm. I don't think it's insulting. Oh, yeah, just, just come in. There's a show I saw recently and I said, oh, how much are the tickets they pay? He said, oh, no, they're just, it's all free. You just come in. And they just sit there. There's no commitments, and there's a real difference in the audience. And I think it, it kills a circuit. They should never do free shows. I mean, there's the odd one. There's one in um, New South Wales. A, a lady does one, and um, she's built up a really good uh, amount of supporters that follow comedy, and she's kind of educated them. And that's that's a one-off, I think. Mm. And because um, it was in a venue that they couldn't charge, so it's different sort of thing. But yeah, a lot of people there. It's free just buy your drinks and come and I just think it just uh, you know you could never get a circuit going if you're going to do that there should be a paid show even if it's something you know I don't know if it's five euros it really annoys me and I mean it's not it does affect the uh, whole circuit because um, quite often those shows aren't very good and the first time somebody goes to see a stand-up show they go to see one of those those shows and they go it's shit oh stand-up is shit Mm. and then they might never go again and I just think it's yeah. bad for the scene in that way but uh, so yeah it's been great chatting and thanks for having me over it was brilliant loved loved the uh, week we had here <laughs> 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 thanks John thank you lovely chat uh so uh yeah what's coming up what's coming up in my life i'll tell you if you want to have a listen you might might just be bloody gone now you bloody poo head um i'm going to be in tralee on the 25th of april in the blasket bar uh that's a thursday correct yeah and on the friday i'll be couldn't be further away. I'll be up in Belfast in the Errigal Inn on the 26th of April. And then um, near near me, I'll be in the Lime Killen in Julianstown, just outside Drogheda. A lovely little restaurant. Great food. I mean really good food. And the whole deal is it's it's a little room and people have a meal and then there's comedy. And I'm doing that with Colin McDonnell and Emily Ashmore now 
and I'll be doing the improv. Been doing the improv in the International Bar every Monday night this month, and uh, it's been amazing, actually. Some just great gigs. It's a lovely gig. Now, a lot of the audience we get, pretty much 90% of the audience are uh, foreign nationals from... I don't like that word. What does that word mean? But people from all over the world on holidays or... or no, I don't know why, but it's very popular comedy improv uh, outside of Ireland. And Ireland is not really taking off that much. But, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's been really good the last few weeks. And um, we've had people from all over the bleeding warblets uh, in there. So... And uh, so the week after, I'll be doing the Laughter Lounge on the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of May. And uh, I'll be in Ballydehob on the 11th of May. I've got a lot of uh, uh, festivals coming up as well. So I'll be doing Glastonbury this year. Yeah! I'll be doing Body and Soul, doing improv. I'll be doing the All Together Now Festival. Uh, and hopefully I'll be over at the Galway Arts Festival. I don't know. That's not confirmed. And, uh, uh, you know, but the usual festivals. Uh, so, uh, good summer ahead. But uh, tune in next week. I'll have Sue. Uh, just Sue on. Uh, Sue Collins, who is a member of the Dirt Birds, a double act who've been tour- her touring all over the country. They're doing really well online on social media, Facebook and YouTube. And I d- with their sketches and they're uh, touring all over Ireland. Uh, that's a good little, little chat. So I'll uh, see you then. Okay, toodle pip, goodbye. Ta-ra now. <laughs> Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.